Hello, welcome to this special University of Brighton podcast, an extended interview with Cressida Cowell. I'm Richard Newman, and I was lucky enough to get a bit of time with the Children's Laureate and creator of the How to Train Your Dragon series at Winter Graduation, where Cressida, who is a former student here, was made an honorary Doctor of Arts. Cressida spoke about her pride about receiving that, talked about her view on arts degrees and the current state of children's literacy. I've just been awarded an honorary doctorate by Brighton University, where I came to do my MA in narrative illustration, narrative sequential illustration, um, 25 years ago. What an exciting day, I have to say. Congratulations. What must the emotions feel like for you at the moment? The emotion, it was really, I wasn't prepared for quite how emotional it was going to be. It was such a sweet speech, kind of outlining what I'd done in my career. And I was like, really? Have I done all that? It sounded really good when you put it all like that. Um, and it was also very, it was a lovely moment because it was a chance to say thank you. Because Brighton, the, the MA at Brighton was hugely inspiring for me. The, the, the tutors, the three tutors I had there were incredibly inspiring. Um, Chris Mullen, uh, John Mullen Lord and George Hardy. Teachers who are inspiring have an effect on not only one person, me, but all the people they teach. They, and they never, you never got an opportunity to thank them really. So it was an opportunity to thank them and Brighton for, for, for how they've inspired me. Could you ever have imagined when you were here um, doing that <laughs> MA that you'd be back here with no, this today? I never would have imagined that at all. No. Um, and I did talk about that a bit because in my 20s, I spent a lot of time in education. I was, you know, did an MA and I'd done a previous BA in, in um, English. So I did, I did think, you know, am I ever going to, everybody else seemed to be having their careers and why am I spending so much time in education? But actually, I use every bit of my education and what I'm doing now. The art, obviously, the illustration and the English. Um, so, so it was worth it, but I wouldn't have known that at the time. And in fact, I got my first book contract when I was just about to have my first baby. So everything was all the wrong way around. Um, but it was, it was, it's lovely to be able to say, don't worry if things aren't working out for you immediately, um, to say that, because I think 20s can be a difficult time. You know, things don't necessarily come, come fall into place for some, some time, in my experience. So it was lovely to be able to say that. Yeah. But the, the MA um, at Brighton, one of the reasons that was so important for me, I think, was that it was so practical. I wrote the first book that I had published on that MA. Um, so it was not only very inspiring, but it was really practical. And I want to say thank you for that. You, you touched on the fact that you were, when you were introduced on the stage, you suddenly thought, oh goodness, I've actually done quite a lot, really. Yes. I mean, the How to Drain Your, to Drain Your Dragon series is um, just hugely popular around the world, read by, you know, so know. many children I around know. the world. I, I mean, mean can you... when it was first published, it wasn't even my publisher's book of the month. They, do, they, they won't remember that, but it wasn't. You know, so it was not either. That's the other thing I try and say. I was not an overnight success. That very rarely happens, being an overnight success. Things can take a while. Um, it wasn't even, it wasn't published in a hardback, my first friendly book, Dragon Book. You know, most, you know, because it wasn't considered sufficiently important. And it just gained a bit of a cult following. Um, and so things don't work out. You know, you have to work at things. You really do have to work at things, um, in my experience. Um, 
because things very rarely happen overnight. Were there any origins to the How to Train Your Dragon series when you were at the university? Do you reckon this always oh. sort of starting to bubble away at that point or, or, or not? How to Train Your Dragon was more inspired by the real place, the real, the real, it always sounds like I'm making this up, but it is true. Um, the real place where I spent a lot of time as a child, the Isle of Burke is a real place. So that was very much inspired by, by that place. Wizards Once, my new book series, was inspired by somewhere near Brighton in Sussex. Um, uh, um, Kingly Vale and Trundle Hill, and that's all around Chichester way. Um, uh, but Brighton, no, Brighton was more, it was more, it was more the actual teaching, the, the, the way I told stories. That's what I learned at Brighton, really. Um, how to how to tell a story? How to how to tell a story? And I can still remember the incredible lectures on films. Um, Chris Marlin was an amazing um, uh, lecturer, and he lectured uh, us on film film storytelling in in Goodfellas and uh, I, and The Shining, and I found that incredibly inspiring. The link that he was making between storytelling in film. And storytelling, you know, that you can tell in books. I mean, it, and he was lectured about, you know, comic books, and it was really liberating. His, you know, how, how he got so many influences from so so many different areas. That that's what I found so inspiring there. Final, final few questions. Um, there's a lot of debate about the value of arts degrees at the moment. Um, okay, right. <laughs> Let me at it. Okay, go for it. So, the creative industries make over a hundred billion pounds a year for the UK, outperforming the rest of the economy by double. So how does it make sense, is what I'd like to say, that we have the lowest take-up of arts in, in GCSE subjects in the last couple of, couple of years than we've ever had? How does that make sense? That just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I know why it is, because for some mysterious reason, art subjects aren't part of the English baccalaureate, but I don't know why that is. Um, I, I can't make sense of it. Places like China um, and South Korea um, have been recognising for some time that they have a problem with their education systems of not enough creative you know, thinkers, not enough um, entrepreneurs. And, and so they're looking to our education systems um, which have historically been very good at, at, at producing um, creative thinkers and entrepreneurs. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't stop valuing these things. I mean, the recent Durham Commission um, pointed this out. We, we need to be really uh, stepping back and understanding you know, what are the importance of creative, creativity and the creative industries. We, and and creative, creativity also is needed in all areas of life. You know, we need creative scientists. We need creative thinkers, all creative politicians. We need some creative politicians. <laughs> um, so, so we, so we really must start valuing creativity and the creative, you know, the the art subjects. Uh, and that is not happening at the moment. It's no longer possible in this country to study history of art as an A level. Um, and uh, and uh, and I cannot understand what how that can have happened. That's why I talk about that a lot. And a final question, very quickly about children's literacy mm -hmm. something else you, I'm mm -hmm. sure you'll be very passionate about your mm. children's laureates yeah, and yeah. your books are getting so many people reading yeah um, do you think I get are you happy with how much is being done to encourage children to read yeah. um, and obviously there's always there you know, do a, a bit less get, screen time yeah, yeah yeah getting children to read today 
for, for the joy of it. I've seen the stats. Basically, the two key factors in a kid's later economic success, let alone their happiness or anything like that, is one, reading for the joy of it, and two, parental involvement in education. And that should be a great stat because it cuts across all social backgrounds. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you're reading for the joy of it and your parents are involved in your education, you're likely to be more successful economically and educationally. However, how to get children reading for the joy of it is the problem. One of the, the major problems I'm seeing is the, the lack of primary school libraries. Because if your parents can't afford books and if you don't have a public library and there's not a library in your primary school, how on earth are you supposed to become a reader for the joy of it? Every child should have the right to have a primary school. I have a library in their primary school. At the moment, uh, libraries are statutory in, in prisons, but not in primary schools. And children with on free school meals are twice as likely not to have a library in their school. That cannot be right. So as, as children laureate, I'm jumping up and down saying, we have to, we have to make this change. Thank you to Cressida for her time. If you like this and you're a new listener, you can catch up with our previous episodes. We're on most podcast providers, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search University of Brighton. Thanks for listening.